0: That watery music you just heard is the opening of a piece titled Aqua by Sean E. Opebelo. It's the opening track on an album titled Trios from Contemporary Chicago, the June 2022 release on Sadie Records. Those of you who've listened to these before know that every time we have a new release on Sadie, we have a new Classical Chicago podcast. I'm Jim Ginsberg, founder and president of Sadie Records, and this is Classical Chicago Podcast, episode 52. And my guest on this podcast is David Cunliffe, the cellist of the Lincoln Trio, which you just heard in that excerpt. Welcome, David.
1: Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me.
0: This is the Lincoln Trio's eighth album overall for Sadie Records and fifth featured album. In the first few albums, the Lincoln Trio appeared in conjunction with other ensembles, but starting in 2011 with their notable women trios by Today's Female Composers album. They have had the spotlight to themselves on five albums in a row on CD, including this one. The members of the Lincoln Trio are violinist Desiree Roustraat, cellist David Cunliffe, and pianist Martaz Navorian, and I should note that Desiree and David come as a couple, as they are indeed married. (laughs) I should also note that the Lincoln Trio is a twice Grammy-nominated ensemble at this point, including for their 2016 CD release, Trios from Her Homelands, and most recently before the current album, just last year, 2021, they released on CD Trios from the City of Big Shoulders with even more Chicago composers. The Lincoln Trio has been called Sensational and Bewitching by The Strad and Models of Vibrancy and Control by Gramophone Magazine. They have concertized literally around the world. I'd love, David, if you could talk about some of the group's recent highlights, both pre and post-COVID.
1: <laughs> Pre-COVID, we went from performing many, many concerts and suddenly everything was cut short, like everyone else's world. I suppose i like to talk a bit about during COVID. It was something sure. that was struck me the other day. We were just out in New York recording a composition by Deborah Kay, and the producer there was none other than the recent Grammy-winning Judy Sherman. We were just all talking about the space and the time and tranquility that we had to record. Suddenly, the really great thing that we had this time to actually collect ourselves and find the time to record. Post-COVID, yeah, I think things have picked up pretty rapidly for most musicians. Coincidentally, one of the first concerts we did after it opened up was Sean Opebelo's piece that we're going to talk about later on. That was at the Ravinia Festival. Recently, we performed a couple of piano trios by the British composer Colin Matthews at the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. This month, we've got a couple of private concerts and going up to South Dakota to Rapid City and later on to Michigan Festival up in Beaver Island. And that's where we're going to be playing a new piece by Clarissa Saad that mm. was commissioned for us. We're working with Daniel Benelli, famed Bandonian player who wrote a piano trio for us which we recorded and we're going to be recording another one of his trios later on in the year. But yeah, a lot of stuff has suddenly landed on our laps and it's all good.
0: Excellent. Well, since you mentioned Judy Sherman, I will mention that her portfolio for winning Producer of the Year Classical this year included three CD albums, including Jennifer Coe's Alone Together, which actually won the Grammy, the album itself, for Best Classical Instrumental Solo. So uh, we actually had a very good Grammy season. We had five nominations and One win this time. And of course, Lincoln Trio has been part of our Grammy success in the past as well, which is terrific. So I mentioned the trio's previous album, Trio's from the City of Big Shoulders, which comprises two mid-20th century Chicago composers, Ernst Bacon and Leo Sowerby. And then, of course, this new album continues the Chicago theme, but with all contemporary composers. David, what connections, if any, do you see between the two albums and the older composers versus the five contemporary ones.
1: They come from different eras, so it's somewhat hard to find a connection with them. Bacon and Salby were contemporaries, born within a few years of each other. I don't know whether they actually knew each other, interestingly enough. At the time, they were accused by right-wingers, of being too dissonant and cacophonous, and by leftists of being too old-fashioned and derivative. So they were breaking the rules, if you like, of mid-20th century trends of modernism. But it's always a good trend of good composers for not following the rules. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot in the second album, Contemporary CD, we got very different voices, very five different composers, all writing music in very different ways. So if there's a link, I think it's people are breaking rules.
0: (laughs) Well, one thing that does definitely link the two albums is their covers. Both feature stunning photography of Chicago architecture. The previous album is a shot of downtown Chicago from the mid-1950s, the actual period in which Leo Sowerby wrote his big piano trio that's on the album. And then... The opening movement on this album is titled Aqua After the Beautiful Downtown Skyscraper in Chicago by Gene Gang, and it's a really stunning shot of that one. You'll definitely want to check that uh, cover out. The first piece on the album, which is actually a three-movement piece, all based on Chicago architecture called City Beautiful by Shawnee Opebolo, was commissioned specially for this project through the generosity of Alexandra Nichols. David, can you explain how Pablo came to the trio's attention and how this commission came about?
1: Yeah, we were all set on all of the other pieces on the album, but we wanted to find one more trio to complete it, preferably someone new. And it was a chance conversation that Desiree had with Adrian Thompson from the Merit School of Music, and she suggested, have you checked out Sean's music? We listened to it a little bit, really loved it. We approached Alexandra Nichols, who we knew from the inception of the Lincoln Trio some 20 years ago, and who's been a friend and a big supporter of our ensemble from back in our MIC days, a Music Institute of Chicago. We actually gave one of the first performances in Nichols Hall, which is named after her in Evanston. I'm sure a lot of people know John and Alexandra Nichols have been unbelievable philanthropists in Chicago, particularly in the arts, for many years, and she very generously helped bring Sean's piece into this album.
0: Wonderful. I should note that in addition to that commission, the album itself is supported by generous grants from Bonnie McGrath and Bruce Altman. Bonnie happens to be on the board of Sadie Records and also the Alice M. Ditson Fund of Columbia University. And uh, we recorded the piece as well as the piece by Misha Zupko we'll talk about later in Nichols Hall at the Music Institute of Chicago, which the trio has a long history with including having been founded there, and if you want to hear that story, you can go to Classical Chicago podcast number 44 about their previous album where Martaz Navorian tells that origin story. I should also note that Shauna Pablo's Two Black Churches can be heard on Sadie's Grammy-nominated 2021 All Black Composers album with baritone Will Liverman and pianist Paul Sanchez titled Dreams of a New Day. And that was really the piece that brought Sean to my attention. But I think it's fair to say he's had a pretty meteoric rise in the last few years, coming to lots of people's attentions. Sean was born just in 1981, is a professor of music composition at Whedon College Conservatory of Music, a widely sought after and award winning composer, most recently having won the American Prize in Competition in 2020. His music has been characterized as having enormous grace, fantasy, and color, and that certainly applies to the piece we'll be talking about in a moment, and that he composes very comfortably in a wide variety of styles and genres. Of most note, especially here in Chicago, is that Sean is currently one of Chicago Opera Theater's vanguard emerging opera composers in residence. So before we get to the piece on the album, David, what would you say are the hallmarks of Sean's music?
1: Well, Augusta Reed Thomas, actually, who another composer on the CD, summed him up in his music by calling him a beautiful artist who has enormous grace in his music and fantasy in colour. And I would add to that a wonderful imagination in the case of City Beautiful by bringing these iconic architects to life musically and his style is contrasting musical languages. You hear jazz, he's half Nigerian. He's traveled throughout Africa, particularly Kenya. So his music's influenced by that. He's also a Christian. Some of his music reflects that as well. So all sorts of different influences.
0: As mentioned, his piece, City Beautiful, has a Chicago architecture theme, and it features three movements, each based on an architect and a specific building. So the first movement, in which we heard a little bit of at the beginning, "Aqua" by Jean Gang. And then the second movement, which is titled "Prairie," is devoted to the Prairie style of Frank Lloyd Wright and specifically the Frederick Roby House in Hyde Park. And the third movement, named for Daniel Burnham and specifically Union Station. David, how do you feel he captures the essence of these architects and their buildings?
1: First, "Aqua." is right on the river and evokes water style of the architecture this curvy building reflecting the water and you hear that right from the beginning of the movement it sounds like droplets of water the way the piano is playing and then the cello comes in with pizzicato and a great depiction of water the next movement prairie he associates with a particular building by frank lloyd wright the frederick Roby house and is basically based on a chaconne, an old baroque musical construction that is typically a short repeated theme that you hear in the bass. Simplicity in one sense, but later on a lot of complexity and style, and again reflects that in the architecture. And then Burnham, Burnham was probably most famous for the Chicago's Union Station. Sean actually describes that as a monumental structure that is an amalgam of neoclassicism and modernism. This is a tricky one for me to explain into his music. Starts off with a violin with these huge colossal chords on the pianos.
0: And that actually fits. Burnham is famous for saying, make no little plans. Hear that boldness in this movement. And Sean says that the movement sought to capture the hustle and bustle that fills the halls of Union Station. So how do you feel that in the music?
1: There is this scurrying theme that runs throughout the whole movements first on the violin and then you hear on the piano and then both the violin and the cello in unison but then they slightly diverge so you get this scurrying and then it becomes even more scurrying <laughs> throughout
0: well terrific let's hear that then this is the movement titled burnham from sean eo pebelo's city beautiful commissioned specifically for this new recording by the lincoln trio trios from the city of big shoulders You just heard Burnham, the title of a movement named for Daniel Burnham, the famous Chicago architect, from a piece titled City Beautiful by Chicago composer Sean E. O Pebolo, performed by the Lincoln Trio on their All Chicago Composers album, Trios from Contemporary Chicago, and I'm speaking with the cellist of the Lincoln Trio, David Cunliffe. The next piece on the album is quite a contrast as we go from the bright melodies and syncopated rhythms of a pebble to a composer whose unique and mostly non-tonal style centers around individual pitches and the wide variety of timbral colors she creates around them. I am speaking of the much decorated Augusta Reed Thomas, who is a Grammy winner She was the longest serving composer in residence in Chicago Symphony history. She served as Mead composer in residence from 1997 all the way through 2006, during which period the orchestra commissioned and premiered nine orchestral works from her. She also established the CSO's Music Now series, which is continuing to thrive today. She's also a noted professor. In fact, she is titled University Professor at the University of Chicago, and that's a pretty big deal. There've only been 16 in the school's history. So it gives you an idea of Augusta Reed Thomas, who's still, for a composer, quite young, around my age, in fact, and gives you an idea of just how important a composer she has been over the years, especially in Chicago. Before we get to her piece, actually, David, can you talk a little bit about the trio's history with Gusty, as she's known to her friends?
1: Yeah, way back, we first encountered her music as we did a lot of Chicago's composers through a series called Music for a While, which was a brilliant series run by the pianist Abe Stokeman. We discovered so many Chicago composers during that time. So she wrote a piece for us. It was actually commissioned by the Music Institute of Chicago back in 2005 called Moonjig. There are two piano trios she wrote Moonjig and circle around the sun they're linked in a way they're a similar length so that's really how we came across augusta reed thomas's music
0: great well let's talk about the piece on this album which is titled a circle around the sun and maybe you can talk a little bit about lincoln trio's performance history of this piece why you chose it for the album and what connections, if any, it bears to the Moonjig piece on your Notable Women album that you just mentioned. The
1: most obvious answer is that we had recorded Moonjig and we'd always wanted to include this sister work, which predates Moonjig by a few years, just to make it complete. It was a burning desire to do this over the last few years, to complete the little mini-cycle, if you wish.
0: Well, how would you describe Thomas's style beyond what I've already mentioned? And what are the challenges of playing music that is constructed so differently from most of what you play?
1: Counting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very precise. Everything has to line up. It's not just that, it's technically challenging as well because it's not scale-based. It's almost picking out these notes from all different octaves, from all different areas of our instruments. And then, on top of it, trying to bring out the excitement and brilliance of her writing. It's definitely a challenge, but incredibly fulfilling, though.
0: Well, let me give a little bit of Gusty's own description of the piece, which she notes starts with the note G, and that really is the center. She says she used that note as the axis point around which other notes and sound actions, as she calls them, gravitate. She continues the resonance, warmth, and role of each instrument are clearly defined. Generally, piano provides most of the attacks. String instruments provide the warm reverberation. Piano is often the protagonist that is the center, or musical sun, around which the other instruments orbit as though in a circle. At some moments, however, each string player will also serve as the protagonist, or the fulcrum point around which the other players' musical force fields, as she puts it, rotate, bloom, and proliferate. So how is it that kind of trading for you?
1: Again, it's a precision that you have to bring to it. It's incredibly energetic and exciting, her music, particularly in this piece, but in almost a condensed way. And then it bursts as if the notes leap out of the page at you.
0: I know you guys are really fond of this piece, so let's get to hearing some of it. It's in two very short movements, so what we'll do is we'll hear the first movement, which is titled Elegant and Spacious, and then well, here just the beginning of the second movement for contrast, and that one is titled "dance-like, playful, and lyrical." Here is the f- about first half overall of Augusta Reed Thomas's "A Circle Around the Sun," as performed by the Lincoln Trail. You just heard a portion of a piece titled A Circle Around the Sun by Chicago composer Augusta Reed Thomas, as performed by the Lincoln Trio on their new Trios from Contemporary Chicago album. And I should note that Sadie recently released another piece of Augusta Reed Thomas's as a digital single, a piece titled Song Without Words, performed by oboist Alex Klein with pianist Philip Bush as kind of a companion release to their full album titled When There Are No Words. And even though the titles are similar, the theme of Gusty's piece has nothing to do with the theme of Alex's album. I heard him play this lovely piece in concert and thought we have to find a way to bring this out. So that's what we did, a concurrent digital release. So you can find it on streaming services, for example, Song Without Words. And if you liked what you just heard of A Circle Around the Sun, I think you'll really enjoy that piece too. Well, the next piece on this album comes from Augusta Reed Thomas's longtime colleague at the University of Chicago, Shulamit Ron. And Shulamit is maybe even more decorated composer, if that's possible, than Gusty. She joined the faculty at the University of Chicago back in 1973 and is now a distinguished service professor in the Department of Music. She won the Pulitzer Prize in 1991 and pretty much every other award an American composer can win. The list is just way too long to go through. She was actually Gusty's predecessor as composer in residence with the Chicago Symphony, having that post from 1990 to 1997. And most recently, her String Quartet number no. 3, written for the Pacifica Quartet, was on that quartet's album that won the 2021 Grammy Award for Best Chamber Music Album just a little taste of Shulamit's accolades there. The piece on this album of hers is titled Soliloquy, and it's the oldest work on the album by quite a bit. In fact, it's the one 20th century work. Everything else, of course, is 21st century, having been composed in 1997. So David, what made you choose this for the album, and what has been the Lincoln Trio's relationship with Shulamit over the years?
1: Like Gusty, you, you can't really do an album of Chicago composers without including her. We played this trio many, many years ago and worked with Shulamit on it and just wanted the chance to record it.
0: The piece Shulamit in her notes says is about unrequited love. How is this felt in the music?
1: It's a very romantic piece of music. It's one of these pieces that evolved as she was working on an opera to begin with, and then that became a a work for violin and strings, and then turned into a piano trio. It's interesting for an artist to have a background of how the piece came into being. In this case, it was a whole opera with context and words. (laughs) Very, very emotional piece to work on.
0: Well, the opera that you mentioned is a piece called Between Two Worlds, the Dybbuk, which she then used some of the same material for a work for violin and strings titled Yearning, how much did you invest in studying the predecessors or the source material for this piece in order to inform your interpretation of this version?
1: Well, definitely listen to it and listen to quite a lot of her music, as we always do with all these composers, to get a feel of the style. In this case, we were pretty familiar with the trio. Having not played it for many, many years, it was amazing how quickly it came back to us. I vividly remember working with Shulamit all those years ago on it.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the piece's overall emotional journey?
1: It's very much violin-oriented. The violin is supposed to be the main protagonist. It's romantic music with a Jewish twinge, I would say. She's very specific about the way she writes of the emotion into the music. The cadenza is very planned out. There's slides, the emotional, things that do reflexively on stringed instruments that she thought about in tremendous detail with which to bring this out.
0: Wonderful. Well, as I mentioned, she says the piece is about unrequited love and the predecessor version for violin and strings is titled Yearning. So let's hear some of that yearning that certainly permeates this version of the piece as well. So here's about the first half of the piece. So again, this is from Soliloquy by Shulamit Rahn, as performed by the Lincoln Trail. Well, I think you can really hear the pain and frustration associated with unreturned love in that excerpt. That was the first, not quite half, of Soliloquy, a piece by Chicago composer Shulamit Ron. And you're hearing it on this classical Chicago podcast from Sadie Records. My guest is David Cunliffe, the cellist of the Lincoln Trio. And if you like what you're hearing, and I sure hope you do, I hope you'll want to check out the whole album. You can, of course, find it on our website, cdrecords.org, c-e-d-i-l-l-e-records.org, where you can purchase it as a physical album on CD. You can do that on Archive Music or Amazon.com as well. If you prefer to stream your music, of course, Spotify or Tidal or whatever service you use, it will be there. And there's such a variety on this album. In fact, once again, we completely shift gears into the next piece, which is by... Another younger Chicago composer, Misha Zupko, says on his site that he is celebrated for compositions that are emotionally charged and viscerally engaging. And he writes music that excites both musicians and audiences, and I think that's certainly true of the piece we're about to hear, which is a fanfare. His numerous awards include first place in the Pacific Symphony Orchestra's American Composers Competition, the Lee Edelson Composers Award from Composers, Inc., three ASCAP Morden Gould Young Composer Awards, the Jacob Druckmann Prize from the Aspen Music Festival, and he's been a finalist in the Rome Prize competition. So I think it gives you an idea of Misha's accomplishments. He's also on the faculty of the DePaul University School of Music and serves as composer in residence at the Music Institute of Chicago, which is very important to the piece we're about to hear because he wrote it in that capacity. I should also note that there is an album on CD 2016 release devoted entirely to music of Misha Sepko in which he performs on the piano alongside violinist Sangmi Lee and cellist Wendy Warner. So I hope you'll want to check that out after you hear this piece. Before we get to the piece itself, David, what is the Lincoln Trio's history with Misha and how would you describe his music?
1: Well, we've known Misha for for many, many years. Back in the day, Marta Aznavori, the pianist in our trio, and Misha both studied piano with Emilio de Rosario, who was an iconic piano teacher. We actually knew Misha's father, I think, before we knew Misha. Misha's father was a wonderful composer, Raymond Zupko. And he wrote a piano trio that Desiree and I played many, many years ago. We always knew that he had a very talented son who was a composer. That's how we got to know him. Coincidentally, Misha and Desiree share a birthday. Yeah. July 29th. So his music is very diverse. Every piece we've played has been quite different. It always surprises me, but it is always challenging, particularly rhythmically. This is the whole thing that you'll hear on Fanfare. It's a very specific rhythm, which the time signature changes all the time. So it goes from 11.16 to 7.16 to 5.16, but it always has these three distinctive sixteenth notes at the end of the measure that sound a bit like a fanfare like a trumpet playing the beat is like a groove so it either goes one two one two one two three one two one two one two three but then he mixes it up and so it could go one two one two three or one one two three or one two one two one two three but the one two three is this hook that you'll hear
0: it's an excellent description. I was just going to mention that Misha does not shy away from placing demands on his players, I think it's fair to say.
1: <laughs> or, or his producer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we were very fortunate to have Misha at the recording sessions to help with some of these challenges. And of course, he worked with him in preparing the piece before. So I think this might be a good time to note that all of the composers, except Sean Pebolo, were present at the recording sessions for their pieces You worked with all of them, including Sean, in the run-up to the recording. So how differently did each approach working with the trio both before the sessions, and then how was working with each one at the sessions different?
1: Well, first of all, it's always useful having a living composer around. They're not dead. You can ask them questions, and they can answer them. Also, having them at the session is a real advantage. In this case, they were all different. Shulamit, as we mentioned before, is is very exacting in the way she wants her music played Stacy Garrup who I haven't quite got to yet we've known Stacy for many many years she's very familiar to work with and so it's a very easy relationship Sean as you mentioned he wasn't actually at the session but he came to our performance at Ravinia and we had the opportunity to talk to him he's very open very flexible Misha is very exacting <laughs> as we talked about but incredibly helpful And Augusta Reed Thomas is very open to suggestions, but at the same time, she's very crystal clear in her explanation of what she's after. So all very different in a way.
0: Well, from my perspective as the producer, sitting with the composers during these sessions, I felt that some were more hands-on than others. And I think it's fair to say, and with good reason, given the way he wrote his piece, Misha was probably the most hands-on. Yeah, yeah. Um, With some of the others, I actually had to push them a little bit to say, I think there's something you want to say here, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So as with the first work on the album, Misha wrote this piece, or at least this version of the piece, which is titled Fanfare 80 specifically for you as one of the three ensembles in residence at the Music Institute of Chicago. What's interesting is that Misha wrote this piece, Fanfare 80, specifically for the 80th anniversary of the Music Institute of Chicago, where Lincoln Trio is one of the ensembles in residence, for all three ensembles in residence. So there's a version for orchestra, a version for piano and winds, and this piano trio version. And they are by no means a note-for-note transcription. He really wrote it as a different piece, well, with that hook, of course, in each one, but as a different piece for each ensemble. Now, in his notes about the piece, Misha says that the piece starts off like a traditional fanfare, but then diverges. he have talked about some of the unusual rhythms. Anything else that makes this short piece not just your typical fanfare?
1: If you think of a fanfare, it is a very rhythmic piece, but in a traditional rhythm. It's the way Misha creates this groove, but also he mixes it up. I talked about the 11-16, 7 16, 5, 16, which are unusual time signatures. But then he'll suddenly throw in a regular 2-4 measure or a 9-16 measure occasionally, just to mix things up. So it throws you off kilter. So it, definitely a fanfare feel to it, but not in the traditional sense.
0: Oh, great. I should note that I'm able to give these composers perspectives on these pieces so easily because the program notes in the album booklet are actually by the composers themselves. And of course, you'll get that booklet if you buy the CD. But if you prefer to listen online, you can still download and read the booklet because it's available on the album page on the Sadie Records website. So if you want to get the composers insights into their own pieces, I hope you'll check that out. Now, Misha's piece, this fanfare is short. It's under three minutes, so we'll hear the whole thing. Any advice for the listener besides perhaps fasten your seatbelt?
1: <laughs> See if you can listen to that groove, though. One, two, three, up, 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 at the end of uh, a lot of these measures.
0: Great. Let's hear that then. This is Fanfare 80 by Misha Supko from the new Sadie Records album, Trios from Contemporary Chicago, featuring the Lincoln Trio. just heard Fanfare 80 by Misha Supko, which he wrote about a dozen years ago for the 80th anniversary of the Music Institute of Chicago in his capacity as composer in residence there for the Lincoln Trio in their capacity at the time as one of the three ensembles in residence at that venerable institution, that really wonderful music school here in the Chicago area based in Evanston. Now, having heard that exciting piece with its big ending, this might be a good time to talk about the engineering of this album, which is by Sadie Records' multiple Grammy-winning engineer, Bill Malone, and the challenges involved in recording a piano trio, including, in this case, not just the usual challenges of balancing piano versus strings, but of making recordings captured in two different spaces fit so well together. The women's pieces, shall we say, the pieces by... August Reed, Thomas, Schulman, Ron, and the one we're about to hear from uh, Stacey Garup were all recorded at the Logan Center at the University of Chicago, while the men, that is Sean Apebelo and Misha Upko, their pieces were recorded in Nichols Hall at the Music Institute of Chicago, which is named for the commissioner of Sean Apebelo's piece, City Beautiful, Alexander Nichols and her husband, John. And it was my honor and pleasure to produce this recording working alongside Bill as I almost always do. Uh, So David, what are your thoughts on the sound?
1: Sounds absolutely fantastic. First of all, we're fortunate enough to have two great recording spaces. Unfortunately, they sound different. Nothing to do with us, but uh, somehow some magic happens at CD that manages to match those sounds and makes them sound just
0: terrific. That excellent sound and Bill's perfectly calibrated approach to instrumental balances was really tested in the last piece, which is titled Sanctuary, by Chicago composer Stacey Garrup, because that piece has some of the quietest and also some of the biggest moments on the album. Of course, of all the composers featured, Stacy is the one with the closest working relationship with both the Lincoln Trio and Sadie Records. And before I go into her history with Sadie, David, please tell us how the Lincoln Trio got to know Stacy and go on to play and record so much of her music.
1: It's the closest working relationship we've ever had with any composer. And I think it goes back to that series I was talking about earlier, Music for a While. Desiree played a solo sonata by her first of all, and then later at a wonderful music series called Music in the Loft. This series doesn't exist anymore. It was run by Freda Hyman. It had this great concept of bringing young chamber groups and soloists together with up-and-coming composers. That's when we first experienced her music.
0: Well, this album will mark the 11th CD release to feature Stacey's music, including two devoted exclusively to her compositions. As her bio puts it, her music is centered on dramatic and lyrical storytelling, and you'll certainly hear that in the piece we're about to hear from in a moment. Stacey Garup is a full-time freelance composer in the Chicago area, and she is actually credited the fame she has gained through her recordings on Sadie Records with helping her being able to transition from being a part-time composer, part-time teacher. Uh, She used to teach at Roosevelt University, the Chicago College of Performing Arts, but that the volume of commissions that started to come in, in part because of all these recordings, uh, allowed her to move to full-time composing, and nothing more gratifying to me as, as the president of a label whose mission is to promote the work of Chicago performers and composers than knowing that we had a hand in that. So in any case, uh, she has gone on to receive so many awards and grants, including from the American Academy of Arts and Letters, the Fromm Music Foundation, the Barlow Endowment. Recent performances of her orchestral works have been given by orchestras, including the Baltimore, Chicago, and St. Louis symphonies, Really to go through all her awards and performances would take just way too much time. So instead we'll move on to her piece for the album, which is the largest work on this album. In fact, just in terms of music time, represents about 45% of the CD's content. It's a piece called Sanctuary and it's a very deeply personal work. It was actually commissioned by her mother to help both of them come to terms with the untimely death of Stacy's father when Stacy was a child, only 12 years old. The piece has the most explicit program, I think it's fair to say, of any of the works on the album, which Stacy outlines in her program note. Uh, the most basic elements are that the first movement, which is titled Without, describes the child's search, sometimes frantic search, for her father and opens with the sound of her calling out to him. In the second movement, titled Within, the parent finally answers as the daughter finds him, quote, within the sanctuary of her own heart, as Stacy puts it. For me, it's a deeply moving work with some very powerful, maybe even overpowering moments. David, how do you and your colleagues feel about it, and how do you approach such an emotional piece without risking it going off the rails?
1: It's quite a difficult piece to perform because of that. Music is very lyrical as you say very often programmatic so you get involved in the story that she's telling another hallmark is these motives this calling theme at the beginning yeah we connected with this piece right from the outset one of stacy's best pieces that she's written very thrilled to be able to perform it and record it
0: well i'm so glad you mentioned those motives because stacy really is a master of motivic development so before we go to a larger excerpt of the piece, I thought it would be helpful for people to hear the building block of the first moment, which is that calling out theme at the beginning. So let's hear a little of that. Now that you've heard the opening of the piece with that sing-songy child calling out to the father who isn't there, we'll advance to the middle of the movement, and you can hear how this idea is developed and then combined with a Jewish dance that Stacy introduces into the proceedings. David, anything you want to say about this back and forth between the searching theme and the dance, and then how the themes eventually collide? For me this is a very powerful passage
1: yeah it's typical stacy so you hear this minor third motive on the violin first of all dropping this calling theme this jewish dance starts up on the piano and then on the strings and then the violin drops out and you hear that opening theme on the violin over the dance it feels different it's not this calling theme necessarily anymore but it's more Heartfelt. It's almost a yelling. It turns into a cry, shout. It's a great moment in the piece.
0: Well, let's hear that then. This is from the middle of the first moment of Sanctuary by Stacy Garup as performed by the Lincoln Trio on their new Trios from Contemporary Chicago album on Sadie Records. You just heard a portion of Sanctuary, piece by Stacy Garup, world premiere recording, I should note, by the Lincoln Trio on one of three world premieres, and in fact, three works written specifically for the Lincoln Trio that you can hear on this album, Trios from Contemporary Chicago. The June 2022 release on CD Records, and the Lincoln Trio is Desiree Rustrat, Violin, David Cunliffe, Cello, and Marta Osnivorian Piano. Now that you've had a chance to hear excerpts from everything on the album, I hope you'll want to check out not just excerpts, but the whole album. And you can do that by going to cdrecords.org. That's C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org, where you can find the album as a physical CD. You can also find it on Amazon.com or Archive Music or other sites. And of course, if you prefer to stream, as people tend to these days, It'll be on all the streaming sites, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal or even some of the niche services like Idagio. Wherever you get your music, it should be there. And hope you want to check it out. And now, David, that listeners have heard from each of the five pieces, what would you like them to take away from both listening to this new album as a whole as well as, as I mentioned at the beginning, this is really part of a two-album project the first album being trios from the city of big shoulders uh, that had the 20th century works and then this album with the essentially 21st century works
1: yeah well this was our original concept that we wanted to have these two cds reflecting contemporary chicago and binding composers who were writing in the last century and i hope listeners take away chicago's rich musical diversity as far as the composers on this latest cd are concerned And being able to listen to a CD of composers writing from the 20th century. uh, Composers that they might not be so familiar with, but it's really not that long ago. I hope they enjoy both albums, either independently or, or listening together.
0: Wonderful. Well, I should note that because CD is a resource for Chicago artists, for the Chicago artists that we record and promote, All the repertory ideas actually come from the artists themselves, and the Lincoln Trio consistently comes up with some great ones. Can you talk a little about the importance of being able to choose your own personally fulfilling projects to record?
1: Oh, it's enormously important to be able to choose our own projects. I would say, though, that, Jim, do shoot down stupid <laughs> ideas. <laughs> but we've, not, we've... <laughs> they're not
0: stupid. They're just not the best ideas, always.
1: <laughs> you keep us on the straight and narrow. When you see something good or great, you're very open to it. That's fantastic. It's incredibly meaningful to all artists on the Sadie label to be able to record their own projects. So many record companies they will say that we love you, but you have to give up your idea or whatever. We've come before to Jim with um, uh, an album of, for example, Torina, the complete works for piano and strings by Torina, and Jim went for it, and we were just so delighted.
0: Oh, that's actually gorgeous! Uh, Two disc set, by the way, sold at a single disc price, so nice value in that uh, as well. People should definitely check that one out. Well, and of course, this album is such a great example of the Sadie's mission of recording and promoting Chicago's finest classical musicians, because you have both a world-class Chicago ensemble in the Lincoln Trio, and five different composers who are still making their living writing great music. I'm so honored to be able to give all of these a platform for getting their music out to listeners, literally worldwide. CD's recordings are available in 60 different countries, both physical albums and on streaming services, including on some pretty obscure digital service providers in small countries. But our wonderful distributor, Noxos, gets our music out to all of them so that people can hear. And we are delighted when we see an album, for example, pop up in a major way on, for example, Chinese streaming services. So David, what's next for the Lincoln Trio? And is your performance schedule back to normal or at least something approaching that?
1: Yeah, pretty much back to normal. I think I talked about a few of the things that we'd been doing recently, and upcoming things. We've just at the University of Cincinnati, for example, playing this piano trios written by the composer Colin Matthews, and we were just announced as the official jurors for the 2023 Zemlinsky composition they have there. So we'll be returning. To Cincinnati quite a few times, I think in the next couple of years. You mentioned Martha's wonderful new album, just released Gems from Armenia with her sister. Also Desiree and I have another group, another trio, a string trio, Black Oak Ensemble, and we'll be releasing an album called Avant Mirage, which is a album featuring seven French composers who wrote string trios before the onset of World War II. and I think that's going to be released in July.
0: I'm so glad you mentioned those. Yeah, in fact, our April release on April 2022 on CD Records was Gems from Armenia featuring Lincoln Trio pianist Marta Aznavourian with her wonderful sister Ani, the cellist. All music by Armenian composers are based on Armenian themes. And we recently recorded a podcast about that with both artists in that case, with Ani and Marta together, a very lively discussion you may want to check out. And then our July release, as you mentioned, uh, is with your something of a sister ensemble, the Black Oak Ensemble, which is David and Desiree with Aurelien Petterzoli, the violist, in a wide-ranging, over-two-hour-long, again, single-disc-price program of uh, seven different French composers titled Avant l'orage, Before the Storm, specifically because it's works written in the run-up to World War II, all all works written between the two world wars, uh, and some names that are somewhat known, like Gabriel, Piernay and Jean Francais, but also some composers who will be pretty unfamiliar to uh, most listeners, such as Jean Cras or Gustave Samazoy, but all really wonderful music. And that's what I love about both uh, your ensembles, is they really dig up some real treasures that people wouldn't know otherwise. And uh, actually, the Black Oak Ensemble album will be the subject of the next Classical Chicago podcast, which will be with the violist Aurelia. Peter Zoli, who's actually French, so it seems particularly appropriate for him to record uh, that podcast and explain that wide-ranging album. We always like to end these podcasts with the same question, and I think, especially coming out of the pandemic, it's good to be reminded. David, what makes the Chicago music scene so special?
1: Where do you begin? Of course, you've got a world-class symphony orchestra, an opera company. You've got a wonderful radio station, WFMT. You've got wonderful, world-class... Music Festivals, Grant Park and Ravinia. Got fantastic educational organizations like Midwest Youth Academy in Highwood, Merritt School of Music, CYSO, Music Institute of Chicago. You've got a fantastic contemporary music scene here. And then you've got smaller ensembles and orchestras like um, Spectral Quartet, Fifth House Ensemble, Chicago Sinfonietta, and I know I'm probably leaving off a huge chunk here. But you've also got new spaces, the brand new halls at DePaul University, for example, and Wheaton College. They're two fantastic halls to play in. We've been lucky enough to play in both. I want to mention Epiphany Center on Ashland, which is a very interesting new venue that's appeared on the Chicago landscape the last couple of years. Last but not least, we have a world-class record company, CD Records. And I think artists are always struggle to find words to describe how unbelievably lucky we are to have that in our backyard. So thank you, Jim. And thanks everyone for, who works for CD.
0: Well, thank you, David. I'm glad you mentioned those new halls. I would add to that list the Galvin Recital Hall at Northwestern, yeah, where we were very lucky to recently record our August release with a wonderful young saxophonist named uh, Julian Velasco, who was the winner of Sadie's first-ever emerging artist competition. And because he's actually getting his doctorate at Northwestern, we were able to use that. Also, we've been starting to use the ones at DePaul recently. In fact, we will be recording an opera in the new Jarvis Opera House at uh, DePaul. This June, Haymarket Opera will um, do a, a run of the Opera by... Le Chevalier de Saint-Georges, a French contemporary of Mozart's called Lamont Anonyme, The Anonymous Lover. And Saint-Georges, I think his music has been more celebrated in recent years, deservedly so. So the performances will be in mid-June, immediately followed by recording sessions, which we hope to have that album out early in 2023. But in any case, thank you so much, David. This has been a delight for me as the producer of this terrific album, Trio's from Contemporary Chicago, and this has been another Classical Chicago podcast from Sadie Records. Thank you for listening.